Hi, everyone. This is Abhishek from ShakeTheCosmos.com. I'm really excited about my guest today, William Gilchrist. And uh, I'm just excited because we haven't connected since, since Bowdoin. And if you're listening to this right now, hit the subscribe button or follow button uh, or give, it, give this episode a rating. That'll help me in the organic search results. William has been pretty busy. He's, um, we're actually having an international podcast. So he's in Singapore and he's founder of Consig. And we're going to be talking a lot about sales today. And I'm really excited. All right. So what um, we're going to get right into it. What exactly are Consig's uh, sales mercenaries? Well, Abhishek, I just want to start by saying, go you bears and uh, amazing to be on this podcast. <laughs> um, so Consig Sales Mercenaries, um, we are a end-to-end sales of service business. Um, originally, uh, we were founded um, for the purposes of supporting startups, tech startups, um, to be able to scale globally. Um, and to improve their sales functions. But um, we learned really quickly that it wasn't just startups that needed um, assistance with sales development and kind of sales systems and sales functionality enhancements, but also MNCs and SMEs as well as governments um, needed assistance um, from a sales perspective. So even though we were started from a technology kind of space, we moved into not only tech, but big tech, uh, cybersecurity, and also uh, things outside of technology as well, like consultancies, and etc. That's awesome. And then when you say end-to-end, uh, what does that mean? I, I think it sounds pretty awesome to have that type of uh, sales as a service. Yeah. So how we're unique is that um, we do everything from... Let's say if you have a business and you just have, let's say, a technology. That's it. You just have the, the technology. We do everything outside of that from a sales perspective or a revenue generation perspective. So that can be anywhere from um, doing all the calls, the emails, to flights around the world, to entering into boardrooms, to creating channel partnerships, to uh, developing marketing resources. Um, we are effectively a revenue generation engine. And that's... Um, what we mean by end to end is that you don't have to worry about anything. We're covering every piece of it. I love that revenue generation engine of Consig. So, uh, I mean, in terms of what are some uh, myths or uh, um, ideas that you're having to debunk about sales as you you've been working in this industry? <laughs> That's a really good question. Okay, so the first one, um, which I actually heard yesterday. Um, on another uh, podcast, actually, and you know, I hear this often. Everybody believes that they can sell. People say, "Well, everybody can sell to some extent." And my response to that is always, "Okay, just because you go to a pharmacy doesn't make you a doctor. You know, just because you go to get yourself some cough medicine doesn't make you a, a, an actual doctor. The same way, or buying toothpaste doesn't make you a dentist." Often people um, are selling in life or they, you know, they feel like they can sell or they've sold things before, but are they actually salespeople? Are they actually a saleswoman or a salesman? That's actually a different criteria versus someone who's just in the art form of sales. So often um, sales tends to get overlooked as an actual profession because 
often it's considered like, oh, anybody can do that. All we do is walk around with coffee and talk and be charismatic and take people out to fancy dinner and then make something happen. But really, there's a, a highly technical component to sales. And it requires intense training, methodologies, patience, uh, emotional wherewithal, <laughs> uh, empathy, um, and sometimes uh, firmness. And knowing where to apply all of those components into seeing what results could, could come. And often movies are really promoting uh, the myths of sales being A-type personality people who are extreme extroverts. When you look at The Wolf of Wall Street or Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and you have these quote-unquote films of, of, of intense salespeople, that's actually not accurate to what it really means to be in sales. Mostly, mo- most of sales is actually listening versus... Uh, bombarding people and trying to convince anybody to buy something. So often that's the big myth is that a salesperson is within everybody and also at the same time that all it takes is just being an extrovert and a hate type personality, which none of those two are accurate. (laughs) I appreciate that. I mean, in terms of... uh the difference in what people think and what it is, what is really sales. Um, and like, I guess if someone was interested in sales or what would be like your, your suggestion, you mentioned some trainings uh, or methodologies. If someone was just starting out, what, what would, what kinds of things they should look at? Well, I think the first thing, the best training in the world for sales is to go get a sales role and make a lot of mistakes. You know, I think some of the best things to do uh, for sales training is to go in and have a really bad quarter on your first quarter, but keep trying, right? Go out there and make a lot of phone mistakes, email mistakes, boardroom mistakes, whatever part of the sales process that you're in, make those mistakes (laughs) and you will learn a lot. Um, Two, um, I would say after you have already gotten the sales role and you are in it, I would also say start reading books such as Spin Selling or Challenger or Sandler and Miller Hyman. I mean, there's there's a bunch of different you know methodologies that are out there, and unfortunately now methodologies are a dime a dozen. Everybody's bringing out their own sales methodology now. But really not looking at a sales methodology, which is why I said get the job first and work the job. And then look at some sales methodologies because you should put things into practice and to customize them for your own personality versus trying to follow uh, a certain methodology like a Bible. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, and, and uh, you know, these methodologies exist and I appreciate you saying, well, you got to just go try out, try it out, get a sales role. Um and I mean, just kind of reflecting on our time at Bowdoin a little bit too, like what impact did Bowdoin had in shaping your career? Bowdoin technically indirectly made me a salesperson. So Kyle Hegarty, uh, class of 1999, um, moved to Singapore um, and he was regional um, director for uh, TSL Marketing. Now, I had lived in China at that time for about five years, and I came back to the States uh, after graduating from Beijing University, and I was looking to try to get back into Asia. And Kyle, um, sight unseen just because I was a boating guy, um, 
was able to give me an opportunity to work for him in Singapore. That's how I got to Singapore. And then uh, a year later, I got picked up by Google. So Bowdoin, but <laughs> the Bowdoin Alumni Network, the Bowdoin Link, and and that Bowdoin family is is probably ninety percent of uh, where I'm at today. That's awesome. Um, I know for myself too, the Bowdoin uh, community has been great uh, in helping me out uh, in a lot of places. Um, what was it like, kind of starting out in uh, sales? Uh, I, I'm just I'm not sure if like that's a typical path a lot of uh, Bowdoin alums take right away. Yeah, there's no degree in sales. <laughs> I was international relations degree at Bowdoin. Loved it. Wanted to be still, you know, would love to one day be an ambassador, hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's sales is something that you fall into. It's not something that you were necessarily uh, aiming towards. And um, after kind of going to grad school um, in Beijing, and uh, when I graduated was around the time the Olympics was happening and also the economy was crashing, um, an international relations degree at that particular time was a bit challenging for roles because there wasn't really a place to... You couldn't really be placed anywhere, right? You're not in the legal field. You're not in the tech field. You're not really in any field other than government. The governments weren't doing anything and at that time in terms of hiring. So it was a really challenging time to come out in 2008 in that exact position. Um, but then I saw the ultimate value of my degree when I started to figure out the versatility behind it. Okay, wait a minute. So that means I can be in any industry. Um, what are some you know opportunities or roles that allow me to be in any industry? And that's when I actually became director of admissions and college planning of my old high school in Chicago, which was my first sales role, right? So you see, I fell into it by just jumping into an education role that actually ended up being a sales role because I was now selling an all-boy Catholic school that has a tuition to families when there's a free option right next door. <laughs> so that was my first kind of sales thing, but I fell into it versus... Oh, I had this plan to be a you know a salesperson. That I, I didn't, and recognizing that it's something that kind of happens to you, and you kind of like fall into it. Then you know, there's no way I would have been able to tell you ten years ago that I was going to be running a team of sales tech mercenaries, 129 offices around the world, and all we do is sales. There's no way I would have been able to tell you that, you know, even even five years ago, right? Wow, and. I mean that's that's just amazing how you've achieved international growth and what I mean what do you feel like like you were you were in Chicago and you were the product was one thing and then now you're in tech and uh, is a sales sort of something that is translatable like so someone's you know working in education industry sales but then they can go into tech and do sales as well Sales is completely transferable. It's often misunderstood as saying, oh, every, anybody can do sales. People often think that, right? That's actually not what's accurate. It's that if you do have sales abilities, it's transferable to any industry. So it's actually from inward out, not outward in. You know how often people say, oh, well, you know, I just need to be a little bit more, you know, uh, charismatic and then I'm a good salesperson. Not necessarily. 
you have to be trained still, even if you are, um, you do have raw talent. Um, so I think that it just requires, um, a little bit of just understanding of, of, of how to structure your sales career. That makes sense. And you mentioned earlier the, how recession kind of happened and shaped things and you fell into, uh, also a sales role. Now we're of course in COVID times and it's unprecedented. So what's, what impact has that had on your business uh, or clients? Our business actually went up during COVID because, um, one, we're outbound sales or revenue generating. So we exist in a very challenging space anyway. Uh, every day, you know, things are uh, restricted in terms of how we need to access. Um, so we actually got more business during the, the, the heat of COVID than, um, than not and we're actually a little guilty but it was good because we felt like we could help you know people actually needed us they needed revenue during this time it was uncertain so they wanted to make sure that things were actually happening that people were actually picking up the phone um and yeah so we actually were able to get quite a few clients and i think that that was uh yeah it was it it, it, it was good but now that it's dissipating a bit, I can see the market kind of changing now, going back to the old archaic ways and not learning from the mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I, and I appreciate you sharing a little bit about that, how it's impacted your business. And it's, 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 I guess, what types of problems are you seeing now businesses come to you with, the, with this whole COVID situation? Um, and of course, uh, are, are they different than some of the problems you were solving before? Um, yeah. So now I think people have, a, have a stronger respect now for, uh, outbound sales and revenue generation too often. The market is flooded with buzzwords, um, really flowery, um, you know, statements like we're going to disrupt and you know, how much can we scale? We're at a 5x scale this year and all this kind of like things that you tell to a, a VC to be able to get more money or, you know, an LP to get them convinced in this new cutting edge technology. So we were flooded with buzzwords before COVID. That completely disappeared. Because at that point, people actually needed to sell at that point. They actually, they could not just rely on inbound marketing stuff where they put out, you know, a big banner and online or any kind of performance marketing, just rely on things automatically happening. People had to literally have their, their fingers on the pulse of their revenue. And I think that that, that put things in perspective for everybody, which is why I think that, you know, looking at companies like ours and, and, and a lot of other companies out there too, that do different parts. Like there's, there's some that are performance marketers, right? Um, those people are like salespeople, but just on the marketing side, you know, those type of individuals, PR agencies, really getting people's names and brands out there in, in a way that is metrics based and not just, hey, look at me, this is really cool, you should get on this too type stuff, you know. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, the story I'm telling myself is like the some of the fluff has gone away because those terms are you're just people wanting the companies are wanting more uh, revenue or revenue right away sooner than later. Um, have you had to change your approach a little bit 
because of because of these uh, new demands that the companies are um, coming to you with? Yeah. So one of the big things that we rolled out during COVID was our account-based marketing services. That was something brand new. We launched our advisory services early, beginning of 2019. We did our account-based marketing services uh, for 2020. And account-based marketing being that we're kind of like spies, where we go and we research uh, very large enterprises under our own label for um, other companies that want to sell to them. So let's say your company A and your enterprise, and you really want to sell the company B, but you don't know how to do it. You don't know who to talk to. You also don't know the details. You don't know how much they would actually really want this, but you don't want them to know that you, company A, are looking into them this deep. So we get hired to do that work. And wow. that's something that, that you know, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. You're kind of like 007 a little bit because you're there really studying for months uh, a company and developing report and reports and intel back to, let's say, company A to be able to know, okay, this is how you could best sell to them. Here's some of the areas that they're working on. Here's some of the things that's happening. You know, of course, all public information. We're not like going in there getting confidential info, but um, it's all public information. But we're able to do that deep research to really give another company the right leverage to be able to sell to them. That's pretty amazing. And I mean, just uh, in terms of providing that information and providing that package to that company, A, can just be really, really helpful. Um, you know, as we're, we're, of course, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, again, sort of the COVID situation and people are, are have their own routines. And I guess what is what is your own routine to stay sharp and motivated um, in in the current times? I mean, uh, me and my Kindle are, are, are practically married. I love my Kindle. Um, I read books such as um, growth hacking type stuff, uh, mind hacking type stuff, behavioral change. Um, I am always kind of a lifelong student in my mind. Like I'm always kind of studying, trying to train, trying to get myself. Um, always learning something new, um, looking at so many documentaries. I mean, I always just, I don't just look at sales stuff. I don't just look at technology stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll read an entire book on, you know, the challenges that Julius Caesar had by going into new, <laughs> new territories and stuff like that, just to understand the complexities of leadership and, you know, the type of stress certain people have been under and how they've been able to react to stressful situations. I mean, so I'll read some, you know, historical nonfiction stuff. I'll read, um, you know, theoretical things on, you know, historical figures and, uh, Really everything. I try to absorb as much tactical knowledge as I can to be able to apply it to the industry that I'm in, you know, because I think it's all valuable. I love I mean, that. What are you well, reading? What are you reading? Saying, right. Oh, um, right now I am reading, actually I'm reading it with my, uh, with my girlfriend right now. So we both have Kindles and, um, I don't know if I can say it on the podcast, but the, the subtle art of not giving a F U C K <laughs> that's a New York Times bestseller. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes. Yeah. So we are kind of co-reading that right now. So it's in both our Kindles and we're going every night, chapter by chapter, just to have fun. So it's good. Awesome. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing your how you're staying motivated. And um, I guess as we're wrapping up here, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so feel free to reach out to me directly, william.g at klnsyg.com. Or really the easiest way to reach out to me is through LinkedIn, William Gilchrist, G-I-L-C-H-R-I-S-T. Or visit us at consig, klnsyg.com. Awesome. I'll be sure to include consig, K-O-N-S-Y-G.com in the podcast description as well. So I really appreciate your time, William. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week.